I want you to read three scriptures with me, if you will, beginning in Romans 1. Then we're going to go to Nehemiah to finish tonight. Um, the title of this message is Enemy Strategies in the Hamas Attack. So I just wanted to bring some things out to us that I believe the Lord has impressed upon me. Um, in Romans chapter 1, I'm going to begin because I don't have a lot of time. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I want you to understand by this scripture that there are invisible things, that there are things that exist right now that you do not see. The Bible even mentions that there are principalities and powers. These are spiritual kingdoms and authorities that are operating in the world today. But you do not see them. You run into them every day. But often we are not aware of them. They wage war against us. They wage war against nations. They affect culture. They affect transitions. They war against the things of God they try to sow into you unbelief and fear and doubt and despair. These powers are very real. The invisible world is more real than the natural world. The natural world is giving testimony to that spiritual world that it exists. One of the great things about the natural world that God wants us to be uh, just so moved by is to comprehend in some way his power. As we see the things that God has created in this universe. Now I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 10. Felix made mention of this, but I want to read it with you tonight. In order for us to understand this message tonight. I really need you to see this. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is serving during the kingdom of Persia. The Medes and the Persians. And he was serving under the king Belshazzar. And in this particular time, he has a dream. He doesn't understand it. He prays for the interpretation of it for three full weeks. He's praying and he's seeking the Lord for this. An angel is sent to give him the answer. And in Daniel chapter 10, he says in verse 19, he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. I pray that tonight God will strengthen you. I pray that you will let the Holy Spirit speak to you and God will give you strength. There are things in our world today that are confusing. We're trying to understand it. I personally do not want to manipulate global happenings Israeli conflict, I don't want to manipulate that into a message. I don't understand everything that's going on. This is not Ezekiel's war. It could unfold into that, but it's not right now. But there is a crisis in our world. And so I pray that God would give us strength by his word tonight. The Bible says in verse 20, then he said, knowest thou wherefore I come to you? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show you that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that withholdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. 
And Michael was another angel, a very powerful angel. Many commentators believe that Michael was a covering angel for the nation of Israel. That Michael was an angel that was on assignment by God to do specific things on behalf of this nation. We understand according to the scriptures that there is an angelic host of God. Warring angels, fighting angels that move on assignment for God. They battle principalities and powers that are evil and wicked. And so we have to understand the nature of this invisible world. It's very real and the Bible talks about it. And so it is possible that this angel that has come to Daniel to give him this revelation and understanding of events is talking to him about very future events, but also immediate events. As we just understand in Daniel chapter 10, the first verse, that Daniel is serving during the Medes and the Persians. This angel that's talking to Daniel tells him, you know where I've come from. I've come from God and I'm going back and on my way back, I will fight with the prince of Persia. This is a spiritual entity. This is a spiritual domain, a principality in power that this angel sent from God is going to fight because they're going to resist the king of Persia in order for the king of Greece to be able to move in. And in world history, we understand that led by Alexander the Great, the kingdom of, per- of Greece came in swiftly and it overthrew the world and it overthrew the Medes and the Persians. Well, this happened in the spirit before it was manifested in the natural. And this angel is giving revelation to Daniel of these events that are about to take place. That the king of Greece is coming. Persia is going to be overthrown. We are making sure of this in the spirit. And all we know, according to this angel's word, was that there was this angel and Michael who were doing the fighting. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews... That God sends angels who are on assignment as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. There could be multitudes of angels that are in this room tonight. If everyone who is born again in this room has been given a ministering angel because you're an heir of salvation. There could be many angels in this room that are on assignment. The possibilities of setting them into motion could be God waiting on your prayers. The Bible teaches us that we have authority and we're to pray for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And just as this angel that was assigned to Daniel to give him this message on its way back to heaven would stop and fight with the principality of Persia. Perhaps these angels that are on assignment to our personal lives could begin to fight and war on our behalf in regards to our prayers. One shall chase a thousand and two shall put ten thousand to flight. I believe one of the most significant things that we should be doing in this hour like never before is praying. 
I would encourage our young people, if you could be doing anything right now, I would be hosting in my home or in people's homes or in the church. I would be hosting prayer meetings and worship services to call upon God because this is your world and your future that's being affected. I would believe God and I would exercise the authority that Jesus has given me to war in the spirit against principalities and powers that want to destroy my future. Because you have more power in Christ than any of them. You have more authority in Jesus Christ than John the Baptist did. The Bible says that the least in the kingdom of heaven were greater than John. Imagine what could be taking place through your prayers. I would encourage you to have prayer meetings. I would encourage you to open your homes up to prayer. I would encourage you to gather your families together to pray and to seek God and to believe God in this moment. But to pray in faith, not to be in fear, but to pray in faith and believe God for amazing things for God to do in the world. We understand, according to the scriptures, that there are angels in heaven even right now. I want to bring to your remembrance when Elisha was surrounded by the natural armies of Assyria that he could see the armies of heaven. They were invisible, but Elisha could see them. He had no fear. He had no fear of the enemy armies of men because he saw the armies of God. His servant, however, was troubled and greatly afraid at the thousands upon thousands of enemy soldiers, men, flesh and blood, that had gathered together just to take hold of Elisha. He was afraid. So what did God, what did he do? He prayed to God and he said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And his eyes were open and he saw the army of God. He saw the chariots of God. He saw the angelic army of God and they were able to say there are more for us than there are against us. We have to understand that in our world today. I'm not asking you to talk to angels. I'm asking you to talk to God. Talk to the Father. You pray to God. You pray to the Father. Don't pray to angels. But ask the Lord with authority and with power that there would be this conflict spiritually that God would fight for us. And angelic armies would be sent on assignment to be able to fight against these principalities and powers that are taking over our society. And, and, and it's global. It's like the mind of men today all over the world has just gone after Antichrist. This degenerated mind, this degenerated thinking, it's in France, it's in Germany, it's in London, it's in the United States. It's everywhere that is going on in the world today. And don't think that things could not shift more quickly in the United States in this manner. Just look what's happened with the trans movement, the, the, the chemical castration of children in order for them to transition their biological sex. We would have never thought five years ago that anything like that would be possible. But the satanic mind took this culture into that direction to make politicians and judges and lawyers and legislators begin to take the side of the few and manipulate the multitudes into the fear of keeping their mouths shut. Because there will be damage done if you speak against this. So don't think that this country could not become anti-Jewish 
as far as the voice of this country and the politics of this country. We need to fight in prayer. Because when we begin to take the side of terrorists, we are standing against God as a nation, and it doesn't end well. It does not end well. You need to pray. You need to believe God. You need to pray with authority. We need to pray. All of us need to pray. The Bible says, I'm going to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to read this. And then we're going to go into Nehemiah. I'm trying to do this quickly. Lord, help me. And that it would be clear. The Bible teaches us in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I pray tonight that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Don't think just because you're a Christian, you are going to stand. If, if, if we're being admonished to stand in the power of God's might so we can stand, then there's the possibility of not standing. So be careful. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's who's in charge of this world. That's what's working in this world. It's not the humans you see. But it's the demonic mindset and forces that are manipulating the thoughts and the intents of humans. This demonic hold in politics and the media and educational systems and schools. This is a spiritual wickedness in high places. And nothing less, listen to me, nothing less than the power of God is what you need to stand it, it doesn't say, you know, just, you know, try to get stronger in God. Try to build your faith. No, it says in verse 10 and 11, you need the power of his might to stand against these powers that are warring against your life. And so he says to take on this armor. Now, I'm not going to just get into the pieces of armor. It would take too much time. Can I just simply say this is Jesus. Just put on Jesus. Clothe yourself with Jesus. And actually, if you were to look at these pieces of armor, it's the new covenant. Put on the new covenant. The faith, the salvation, the righteousness, the peace, the truth of God. Put, get yourself into the new covenant. And stand there. Stay there. Don't run from it. Don't get out of it. And then he tells us this. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and to pray for him that he would have the boldness to speak the mystery of God. And so I say this to you, I, I read these few scriptures to you, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 3 if you will, and I read these scriptures to you that you might understand the very real 
principalities and powers that are in the world. They are invisible. They are operating in the world. It's spiritual wickedness. It rules kingdoms and dominions and mights, influences culture, works in the media, works in the entertainment industry, works in the educational industry. It is trying to get everywhere that it possibly can to work its wickedness. And we are called upon as believers to pray. We're called upon as believers to be mighty in the word of God. If you want to do damage to Satan, pull out the word of God. We need to be people of the book. We need to be in the word. We need to know the word. We need to preach the word. That's the sword that's going to cut the enemy. Not our opinions, not our politeness, but the word of God. We need to know the word. We need to have the shield of faith. We need to believe this book. We need to believe God as a shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Because no doubt you've been hit with his arrows. They've been fired at you. You need the power of God's might. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God's Spirit upon your life so that you can pray in the Spirit. It's not enough to pray. You need to pray in the Spirit. So this world is real. The spiritual world is real. And we have been given authority and power through Jesus Christ to arm ourselves, protect ourselves, and to do real damage to this kingdom of darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we must be desperate for. I pray that you would be. I pray that you would hear this tonight. So I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 3. And I'm going to be very quick through this chapter. I just want you to understand something. In in Nehemiah 3, he is there leading the building of the wall. And the families of Israel are there with him. So you have representative families from the different tribes of Israel. And they've basically surrounded Jerusalem. And so there's, there's the rubble of a destroyed wall that is all the way around Jerusalem. And now Nehemiah has led people back to Jerusalem from all the tribes of Israel and all of the various houses. And they are all, if you will, lined up all the way around that wall and they're all going to begin to build the wall together in their respective places. And he says this in chapter 3. He says in verse 2, I'm just going to, I want this to stand out. Next to him builded the men of Jericho. Verse 4, next to them. Verse 5, next to them. Verse 7, next to them. Verse 8, next unto him. Verse 9, next unto them. Verse 10, next unto them. Verse 12, next unto them. Verse 16, after him. Verse 17, after him. Verse 18, after him. Verse 19, next to him. Verse 20, after him. Verse 21, after him. And it talks about their houses in verse 20. The house of Elisha. In verse 21, it talks the door of the house of Elisha was built all the way to the end of the house of Elisha. They took care of that. And after him repaired the priest. In verse 23, after him repaired Benjamin and over against their house. In verse 24, after him. Verse 27, after them. Verse 28, and against his house. Verse 29, after them. And against his house. Verse 30, after him. Verse 31, after him. What I want you to understand is this. They are working together. They all have an assignment to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. One person could not do it. 
One group of priests could not do it. A worship team could not do it. A pastoral staff could not do it. It took all of the families to put themselves in strategic positions in order to remove the reproach that was up on Jerusalem and restore these walls and bring back the respect that belonged to God in this particular area. They all had to do it. They couldn't have stood against the enemy if they weren't all building this wall as one. Beloved, please understand this. We are called to unity. We are called to work together. We are not living in a day or a time when we can be naive about the call of God upon the church or our responsibility to the cause of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You're bought and paid for with a price, with the very blood of Jesus Christ. You surrender to his lordship. He owns your life. And he has put us into the church and we must all work in his purposes to restore his glory and his dignity in this generation. We must all do it. I may not know what the house next to me is doing. I may not know what the family on the left of me is doing. But I must be responsible to do what I'm called to do. You must have the same desire to do what you are responsible to do. This is not a game. It's never been a game. But in America, we've thought it as a game. We've thought it as a luxury. We thought it as lanyap, you know. Church is just what Americans do. And, and, and that casual attitude has caused us to wake up wondering, what has happened to our country? And there's no salvation in politics. There's no salvation in a president. It's going to be in the power of God's Spirit through His people praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. And understanding the power of God's Word and using it like a sword against the enemy that means to do damage to our lives in the kingdom of God. So here they are working, and I want you to see the strategy of Satan. I'm not going to read all of this. I encourage you to study it yourself. But in chapter 4, verse 1, And you can be looking at this while I talk, but verses 1 through 3, the enemy basically comes along and he just, they just accuse these feeble Jews. You're feeble, you're worthless, you're weak, you could never build anything that could keep us out. They tried to bring this intimidation about how unworthy and weak you are. How many Christians, how many of you in this room have not thought that very thing about yourself because the enemy has spoken that to you? You have disqualified yourself from activity in the building up of God's kingdom because you considered yourself weak and unworthy, but God didn't tell you that, and the Bible didn't tell you that. The devil told you that. And Nehemiah didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to make excuses. He he didn't try to rebuttal that and say, we're not weak. We're strong. We're mighty. You know, we're this, we're that. He didn't do any of that. The Bible says that the way they overcame this strategy of the enemy is in verse 6. They kept working. I'm not going to pay attention to the enemy. I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. I have an assignment and I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep my hand to the plow. I'm going to keep running this race. I'm going to keep fighting this fight of faith. And I have already the assurance of victory. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working. 
I don't know how many times a day, every day of my life, how Satan comes along and tells me how absolutely worthless I am. My whole life has been wasted. But I just keep working. Just keep working. Just keep staying at it. Number two enemy threat is in verse 8. And the threat was this, that we're going to come and fight you. While you're working on the wall, we're going to attack you. And the way that the believers responded to this threat was in verse 9. And they responded by praying and setting a watch. All right? The enemy's threatening us. Let's be aware of him. Let's watch out for him. And let's pray. Let's pray to our God. But let's not stop working because he threatened to attack us. We're being threatened in our country today. If the whole church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America would rise up. Give ourselves to prayer and to watch for one another all over this nation. I believe there'd be a transformation in our country overnight. But we're intimidated by those threats. Because we feel like we're all alone. We feel like nobody else is going to speak up. We feel like nobody else is going to stand beside us. We'll then have the idea that if you go to jail, you go. Or whatever else it might be. But you stay at it. Enemy threat number three. We're going to attack you when you don't expect it. We know you're watching us. So we're going to attack you when you don't expect it. That's verses 11 through 12. And he says, our adversaries said, they, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And so it made the Jews concerned about this. They said this to us ten times from all places. Whence you shall return unto us, we will be upon you. And so the way that they overcame this enemy attack is in verse 13 through 14, and I want to read it with you. Therefore I set in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. They were armed. And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, Be be ye not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Verse 17. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand he held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, The work is great and large. We are separated on the wall one from another. And what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither to us, our God shall fight for us. So, so that's how they countered this attack. We're going to sneak upon you when you least expect it, and we're going to attack you, and we're going to bring you down. Nehemiah says, all right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to engage all of the families with weapons. Everyone's going to be girded with the weapons to be able to fight. They're going to work with a weapon in their hand. We're going to know that our God is great. 
And not only are we going to defend ourselves, we're going to defend one another. And whenever the trumpet is sounding because somebody is under attack, we are all going to maneuver ourselves to defend our brother. Oh, that the church of God would do that today. That the church of Jesus Christ, when the alarm is sounded, we would run. And I appreciate how you do that. I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm rebuking you. You're a beautiful church. The way that you respond to one another, the way that you pray for one another, the way that you love one another. It is astounding. I appreciate that. I appreciate the way you came to this altar and you just kneeled and sat before God and prayed for the world and prayed for Israel. That is beautiful. We need to engage ourselves. And listen, we need to engage our families. You need to, wasn't that beautiful to see those kids up here? Worshiping and dancing and, and singing and, and, and just praying to God. And I mean, you're watching them. They're actually praying and singing to the Lord. And it's just beautiful. So engage your families. Every, be engaged. When, when did it happen that church was you go and you get your seat. And you sit in your little cubicle where, where you're safe. This is not about safety. It's about family. It's about when somebody's hurting and somebody's under attack that we go to one another, we pray for one another, we fight for one another. We have authority over principalities and powers. We can do damage on hell. And what Satan means to do to your life, it can be prevented by the blood of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we don't sound the alarm. Sometimes we just allow ourselves to come under attack and we just kind of keep quiet about it. Enemy threat number four. All right. You're watching for us. Your families are armed. Then the next thing we're going to do, I call it the Trojan horse. We're going to just slowly mingle ourselves among you. And he tells us this in chapter five, verse one. And there was a great cry of the people. And of their wives against their brothers, the Jews. This is family. Cry of the people, the cry of the wives against their brothers, the Jews. For they, there were that said, we, our sons and our daughters are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. There could come this cry from the midst of us. There could come this cry of distraction. Enemies could enter in. The Bible tells us in Corinthians that Satan comes as an angel of light. So don't be deceived if there's ministering spirits sent by Satan that that come and disguise themselves as angels of light. Satan's not going to walk into a church with his pitchfork and his horns and say, Hey, I'm Lucifer. Can I serve in the children's ministry? You know? He's going to find his way in. And he's going to come in. He's going to strategize against that. One of the things that they were doing is they were mistreating one another. And the way they responded to this is in verse 9. I said, it is not good that you do. Ought you not to walk in the fear of God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? Shouldn't we walk in the fear of God? Listen, there's enough conflict in the world today. The church doesn't need to be fighting itself. Christians do not need to be fighting Christians. We do not need to be warring against one another. We do not need to be manipulating one another. 
We do not need to form our little groups. We do not need to form our little cliques and this is my group and you don't fit into my group and I don't fit into your group or whatever the thing might be or we begin to hurt one another and war against one another. The kingdom of God is under a reproach and our enemies reproach us. Do we need to reproach each other as well? Shouldn't we fear God and take care of one another and take care of the body of Christ and As I said Sunday morning, should not we live in such a way that everything I can do in my life will be done to do something to make the church of Jesus Christ just a little bit more beautiful because I passed my time in it to give my life for that. And so these are strategies of the enemy. And I want you to understand that these are strategies that have operated by the enemy in in history. It's not a one-time thing during the days of Nehemiah. We've even watched this in the news for for decades going on with Israel and the Golan Heights and Israel and Gaza and Israel and Lebanon and Israel and Damascus. And we've been been watching these things, but the, the devil's strategies do not stray too far from what he's already done. Just want to read to you some things about how the enemy, Hamas was able to move in such a manner that they did a couple of weekends ago against Israel. This is what happened to Israel and what happened in world intelligence. Number one, there was a breakdown of intelligence and advanced warning systems. Israel did not expect this. There was no nation on the earth that was talking about this. There was no warning, supposedly, that was given. There's a lot of prophets on YouTube. There's a lot of NAR error on YouTube that people are fascinated with and like to listen to. There was nothing from these self-proclaimed modern prophets about this. I find that to be very strange. And I guess maybe because they're so fixated upon their next breakthrough that they miss this. But the warnings have been going out from the word of God. The advanced warning system is this. But it was neglected. It was neglected by Israel. It was neglected in in world affairs and governments of the world. Number two, it was a surprise attack. And it did surprise them. Jesus warned us of the very thing. Be careful that no one deceives you. There is error lying in wait to catch you off guard. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Humble yourself before God and resist the devil. He will flee from you. That intimacy with God is so very important. Jesus warned us in the last days. If there would even be faith when he returns to the earth. The parable of the ten virgins. They were all asleep. Well it's not hard to catch somebody off guard if they're sleeping. It's kind of easy to do that. The third thing that happened was they attacked on multiple points. They came from the air. They came from the, from the gates. They blew up the walls. They entered in on motorcycles and vehicles and foot. They attacked in so many fronts. 
that the people were overwhelmed quickly and were unable to defend themselves. The fourth thing is there was a failure of trusted systems to catch or to repel the enemy, such as the Iron Dome. It failed to bring protection against them. And what I want to say by that that is this, in the church, we've got to understand that techniques don't work. The Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is that trusted system that is able to repel the enemy. But yet, how many people, even in this room tonight, are not really living a spirit-filled life? You know that you're not. Your heart is cold. Your life is dry. Your spirit is lethargic. You know that about yourself. How are you going to fight this enemy that is raging in our world today? And you cannot tell me you don't see that enemy walking the streets of our world today defiantly in the face of everything. And we know where our spirits are. Stir yourself. Be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind. And understand this is war. And the enemy is moving. The fifth thing, most civilians lacked the weapons needed, nor were they ready to defend themselves. Most of the citizens in Gaza and Israel were unarmed. They had no way to fight back. Just a little plug here. Don't let your government disarm you. We might end up the same way. People running through our streets, terrorists running through our streets. Our southern border has been opened. Tens of thousands of people have come from terrorist countries into our country. What if they start to roam our streets, come into our homes, shoot up our wives and our children? What will we do? But in the spiritual, it's just as important to be armed. It's just as important to make sure that you put on Christ and you've done all to stand. And you're able to stand there for Number six, many safe places had already been infiltrated. Police stations, things like that. What might happen? We, we, we saw a surprise attack in 2020. And many things were caught off guard. The enemy caught us by surprise. No prophet was prophesying that either. And it totally caught us off guard. The churches were scattered and people were confused, not really knowing what to do. Safe places invaded and infiltrated. What, what, what happens when, when maybe you can't get to places that were one time a refuge for you? What, what, what will happen maybe in America if you can't get to the church? What are you going to do? Number seven, the enemy's targets seem to be primarily residences. Taking advantage of a degree of naivety in the general population. A general naivety in the population. I think it's very interesting. Because the people of Israel were, were celebrating a feast time. Young people were in a music concert. Just having a good time. Nobody expected an attack. No warning systems sounded. Paratroopers landed on top of them with machine guns, cutting them down. Nobody was prepared. They went into the homes of the people. The people, naively, in their comfort, with an enemy on the other side of the wall. Who had been vowing 
forever to exterminate the Jewish people. And they're letting their guard down with an enemy on the other side of the wall. Beloved, there's an enemy on the other side of the wall. It's not peace and safety. You're called to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not an easy time. It's not an easy time for Christians. It's not an easy time for lost people. This world's never been easy. But don't ever forget there's an enemy on the other side of the wall. And I don't want to be naive and lay me down to sleep and just pray the Lord my soul to keep. And they're coming in to take my kids and my grandkids and my country and my life and my freedoms. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be naive to these things. And the eighth thing is that each home suddenly became a battlefront with every mother and father and grandmother and grandfather immediately becoming a soldier to defend their families and engage the enemy without weapons. I say that to us because you tell me this is not true. Multiple families across America have looked to the church to get its people right, to get its kids right, and to fix my marital problems and to fix the rebellion problems in my kids. But the battle that Satan is raging is in the home. And mom and dad, like it or not, you're going to have to fight him. And you're already fighting him. And he's not giving you a safe space to go cry. He's not creating safe places for you. And he's not politically correct. And he really doesn't care about your feelings. He's coming for your life. And he's coming for your kids. And you're going to have to fight him. You're going to have to stand in the power of God's might. You're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. You're going to have to have done everything to stand. And then by God you stand. And you're going to have to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives you the authority and the power to be able to do that. And to prevail against the things of Satan. So I want to conclude tonight with this. And I want you to understand this. And. I pray that this will bring you encouragement and strategy for your life. Just going to give you a few things. Just listen to them. And I would ask that we could gather in this altar. I would ask even now if the worship team would come up. And if you guys would just move into this altar where you were a few moments ago. I'm going to ask if your families are here that you will come with your families. I'm going to ask that dads and moms will bring their kids around them. This is not an emotional exercise. I believe it is spiritually strategic. I want you to pay attention to me while you come up here. I want you to listen to what I believe is good strategy for the believer. Nehemiah had strategy, and I would I would encourage you with this.
You can come and just sit on the floor, come and kneel in the altars, whatever posture you need. Mom and dad, the primary concern of your life should be that your children are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. That should be the primary concern of your life. Nothing else is more important than that. Are my children, I'm not asking if your children have been water baptized. I'm not asking if your children profess Jesus Christ. You need to make sure your children are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. That means you need to make sure you are. Because there is a battle going on. We've been warned. The the most trusted warning systems that we've got, the word of God has been sounding and sounding and sounding. And we've been warned. So I say this to you, mom and dads. I say this to you. We have a lot of kids in our church that don't have fathers. It's astounding. We must be fathers to them. But those of you fathers that are here and you've got kids, there's nothing more important in your life than your children being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need to be. You need to make sure that there is a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in your home. You cannot be naive about this. You cannot put this aside. It should matter more to you than their school, their careers. What does any of that matter? If they are like these precious souls that are so misguided on the campuses of Harvard and Yale, supporting terrorists. What does that even matter? They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to make sure that there is a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. If your heart is cold, if your spirit is dry, you need to not rest day or night until you are filled with God's Spirit and God's power. Every family needs to build the kingdom of God. Every family, you need to engage your family in the things of God. Hobbies are great. Sports can be great, but big deal. Engage your families into building the kingdom of God. Or they won't have a country to play in. You need to make sure in your family that in the building of the kingdom of God in your own house that you as a parent, as a child you are spiritually equipped with the weapons of God. And the spirit of God is able to work through your life to use those weapons. There's no age limit on this. That we as a congregation would be a family 
that we would be in unity, that we would love one another and defend one another and pray for one another and stand beside one another, that we would fear God and not manipulate each other to our own ends, but we would really take each other's part, that moms and dads and families would return to the Lord with all of their heart. You know what goes on in your home. You may be a Christian, but you may not have a Christian home. Your whole home, your whole house needs to turn its heart to God. Atmosphere in your home needs to be an atmosphere of heaven, an atmosphere of the Spirit of God, an atmosphere of love and joy and peace and hope, belief in God. You need to remove idols out of your house. You need to confess sins. You need to confess the sins of our nation before God. I pray we do that in this altar tonight. And yes, there are many Christian homes with idols in them. You need to get those idols out. You need to call on the Lord and ask the Lord to cause all of FNT all of our people to return to the Lord. I don't mean return to church. Return to the Lord. God, turn the hearts of our people to to you. God, let the hearts of our people burn for you, God. For we need everyone. We need the strength of everyone. We need the help of everyone. This is not a word of fear. It's a get ready word. It's to be ready. It's it's having done all to stand. The last thing I would say is you need to plead the blood of Jesus over you, your family, your church, and your home. You should walk through your home and pray. You should walk around your property and pray. Claim it for Jesus. Let it be his habitation. Again, get rid of the idols. Anything that's occultic in your house, you need to get rid of it. Any book, any movie that has anything to do with things that God says, I hate, you need to burn it get it out of your house you may think it's entertainment principalities and powers of Ephesians 6 don't think so they think it's an invitation get rid of it there's fighting going on in your house There's arguing going on in your life with your spouse or with your kids. It's the enemy's work. You don't fight against flesh and blood. So you need to forgive one another. You need to lay it down. You need to get over it. You need to let it go. You need to be merciful like God was merciful to you. Wives do not need to create a stairway of works for your husband to get back in good graces with you, nor the husband to the wife. You need to lay it down 
It's an enemy attack. And you just need to come at the feet of Jesus Christ. And you need to recognize that the stirring up of anger and fighting in our home is the work of the enemy. And I'm not going to give place to him anymore. It's not going to go on in our house. It's not going to happen. I would call you to sit together more often at a dinner table. And spend time together and talk about the Lord. I would encourage you in your homes after dinner that you take communion together. And as a family, remember what Jesus has done for you. And remind your children, your family, that he's coming back. Jesus had his meal with his disciples. And after the meal, he took the cup and he took the bread. I don't think it's so important that you have a particular kind of bread or juice. It's the remembrance of his body. You remember that. Take communion together. Sit around the table together. Talk about God. Talk about life. Share joy. Share struggles. Fight for one another. Love one another. Find a place where you can do this. I don't have the authority to make any of you do this. I wish I could crawl into your skin and see what's going on in your heart and in your spirit. And if you were dry, I just wish I could come and just pour the Holy Ghost all over you. I can't do that for you. I can't live without the Holy Spirit. I can't warn you enough. I can't tell you enough. This could be a birth pain. A contraction. We might go home tonight and peace. Peace. And we're like... What's happened since 1948? But just like a contraction, it hits and then it releases, and there's peace. But that baby's coming, and that contraction's gonna happen again, and that baby's gonna be born. Beloved, Jesus is coming. That contraction will happen again. And when they say peace and safety, beware. For his coming is soon. His coming is soon. I guess it's all summed up in this. If you just love God with all your heart. If you would just love him so much that you just want to be so close to him just got to have your spirit. Just got to be close to you. I'm tired of these distractions. I'm tired of these idols. I'm tired of the occult. I'm tired of all of these things, these enemy attacks. I'm I'm putting on Jesus, and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk with him. Some of you are single. Some of you are here and your parents are not here. Your father's not here. We're your family. You can come sit at my dinner table. You can come have communion with me. Love to have you. I mean that.
And I believe there are many other houses that would open up their house to you. Sound the alarm. Don't sit there in self-pity. Well, nobody likes me or invites me. Don't do that. We love you. We need you. You're a precious people. God, if if we're going to do what what God has asked us to do in these last few moments of time, let's do it good. Let's do it with joy. Let's do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's, Let's at least be a part of Even if it's a small part of what God is doing in the earth, let's just be a part of it. All of our heart, go after God. Go after Him. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Beware all these weird doctrines. Keep it simple. Be in the book. Preach the Word. Live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Love Jesus with all your heart. I wish I could get into your skin and Somebody better than me is there. And he's talking to you. And anything you need, he's got it. Whatever you need, he's got it. Begin to pray.